Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room Hey, welcome back to The Screening Room. Um, Okay, I've got a really odd one for you today, this week. Uh, it's my best of 2020. Um, originally I was actually toying with the idea, well, hang on a second, let me start again. When I say originally, I mean, you know, this year, uh, I was toying with the idea of actually not releasing this at all, or maybe just chopping it up and recording something brand, brand new and adding, uh, the bits from this episode into it. But Actually, I decided, you know what, uh, it's a weird time capsule. You know, I was, I was listening back to it, and, and yeah, and that's what came to my mind. I thought, wow, this is strange. God, it is, it's me from the past, early uh, 2021, talking about 2020, talking about COVID, its effects. Uh, yeah, its effects on us, uh, on me, on my family, uh, the repercussions, I suppose, wait, maybe... Well, actually, maybe we don't go into any of that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Um, I deemed it interesting enough to share it as it was recorded, as it is, basically. So um, what follows next is me rambling about the stuff that I saw during 2020, what I wanted to see, what I, you know, it's the same old format if you've ever listened to any of my top fives of the year episodes which I think there's only been like three of them anyway, so whatever. But uh, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe you haven't seen some of the stuff that I'm talking about, and maybe it does help you make some informed decisions in these times when we have no time. So yeah, enjoy. Oh yeah, and stick around, because there's a, there's a cool interview right at the end. Uh, I think I tout it as being like a world exclusive. Not a single person on the planet has this interview and by Jove, they never will. Okay, enjoy. Peace out. Uh, in 2023. Whilst listening to me back in 2021, talking about 2020. Okay, thanks. Bye. And over to me from the past again. Okay, bye. <laughs> What a year. Gosh, this is my top five of 2020 uh, episode. And if I'd actually released this a month ago, as I'd originally planned, then I'd be, um, on behalf of all Britons right now, be apologizing uh, to the rest of the world for this uh, bizarre, insane new strain of coronavirus uh, that's reared its ugly head. Um, Ever so more contagious and spreadable and yada yada. But actually, since uh, during the month of January... Uh, there's been a few other strains. There's a there's a new version in Brazil and, uh, you know, whatever else there is. And it's all kind of spreading all over the world. So uh, I don't need to apologize anymore because um, we are all rubbish. Anyway, so, um, you know, uh, I don't want to talk too much about the, uh, you know, the coronavirus. But uh, it's kind of difficult not to talk about it um, in this top five of 2020 i know it's supposed to be about film and television but it's bizarre because it's been such a dominant thing over the past year um 
in fact, we just lost uh, another person, uh, another family member, somebody I'm not familiar with, actually. But I think that the, the tally at the minute in our family, uh, across the extended family and everything, is is around four or five people now. So this thing's pretty uh, pretty real. Uh, seems the lockdowns haven't been working. Herd immunity is just, oh, God, that's just so madness. This idea of survival of the fittest. Um, no, nah. uh, it's, yeah. Uh, try saying that to people who are losing people out there anyway. Um, but thankfully, uh, there is hope, as we've seen. Um, and it's here in the form of Luke Skywalker. No, no, no. I mean, uh, Pfizer and Oxford, and now there's a new um, vaccine on the horizon. I forget the name. At the time of recording this, I'm sure there was another one that was... Um, uh, that's just being, it's being spoken about at the moment. But yeah, so you've got all these... Um, uh, these vaccines are coming. People are getting immunized. Uh, as far as Pfizer is is concerned, you know, Trump maybe just avoid looking them up or anything. Uh, avoid all the conspiracy theories. And let's just hope that we can put this god-awful, obscure year behind us. I mean, many of us are. But it's not looking like 2021 is going to be an awful lot different, which is uh, a bit strange. But anyway, um, so I'm, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, put put the year behind us. Let's try to do that. Um but not obviously without some reflection, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm sure like many of you I'm 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 certainly reviewing the year, um, the successes and the failures, uh, the difficulties it presented, and how at least I personally managed to deal with those. Um, you know, uh, awful lot of death aside, um, I won't go into it too much. Have we lost a few people? Anyway, yeah. So doom and gloom aside, though, uh, certainly. For me personally, there's been a few successes in 2020. Actually, I, I got inducted. It's gonna sound like I'm bragging. Jesus, I'm not. I'm not. I promise. But uh, you know, I'm just trying to put a spin, a slightly more positive spin on uh, the, you know, the horror. Really, that was uh, 2020. Um, I so personal uh, successes for me have been I got inducted into the top uh, Star Wars sketch card artist family. Um, I'm part of uh, the RJF image design sketch card artist family as well. Um, purchased our first home, uh, and I sort of successfully uh, carried out the subsequent refurb. Well, project manage, which means I told lots of people what to do. Anyway, um, we saw our son off to nursery for the first time. He started a little late. Uh, just because of the nature of, say, my wife's work and stuff, uh, you know, she could spend those first couple of years of his life with with him. Um, uh, speaking of which, uh, I've been watching my actress wife's incredible uh, ability to adapt to uh, this, air quotes, new normal situation and still remain positive despite the bottom being ripped out of the entertainment industry. I mean, gosh, did it affect us. Uh, and with little to no support from the government. I won't go too much into that either, but you guys all know about the whole retraining campaign and all that crap uh, in, in Britain, at least. Um, I don't know. What else has there been? My expanding Star Wars Lego collection. Uh, you know, sometimes it's the little things. And bizarrely enough, uh, though I've been cooped up at home for now about 11 months or so, 10, 11 months, um, I've surprisingly seen very little in the way of film. This is crazy. How can how do I have a film podcast and barely manage to see much film? I you know I'm just gonna look at this as a little blip, you know, a bit or a period of uh, time, not not the blip uh, as we're discovering in Wonder Vision, uh, and well, not discovering in Wonder Vision, we're 
well spoilers for a start but um you know infinity war and all that that's what the the normies call the blip in the marvel uh the snap sorry uh that's what the normies call the snap in the marvel cinematic universe they call the blip but anyway um you know i've i we did well we we not me uh we my wife and i we did manage to see a handful of uh tv shows um it's mostly been odds and sods so anyway uh without further ado and any more rambling which is i know that's why you tune in to listen to me warble on about completely unrelated nonsense uh let's get to the lists so i'll present my top five first uh so you can switch off after that if you don't fancy listening to me ramble on about other stuff uh they'll be followed by my honorable mentions list uh which i think is quite short this time but uh actually is it always short anyway um after that i want to talk a little bit about the tv that we saw this year and some of my highlights um then we get to the very special and uh, exclusive and I mean genuinely exclusive. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. Um, in my notes, I've actually written exclusive in capitals uh, to know it's genuine and not some made up pap. Um, exclusive interview with a very special guest. So do stick around for that if you can. Um, that'll be towards the end of the towards the end of this uh, episode. Uh, I promise you, nobody else in the world has this interview uh, with this actor. Nobody. Um, Moving on, my second to last list is of things that I wanted to see but couldn't. Uh, this is usually the longest of my lists in these episodes, I think. Uh, pretty sad, but hey-ho, such is life. Uh, and then I'll wrap things up with the list of things I saw in 2020 that weren't actually released in 2020, which is often the case, you see, because uh, I'm always, I feel like I'm always a year in um, arrears. So anyway, uh, those lists, as I promised, uh, like, you know, five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago whatever it was uh let's get to it so my top five of 2020 is starting at number five uh wfh the acronym wfh uh working from home uh number uh four is uh, log me in uh it's crashed it's kicked me out randomly halfway through a task uh you know the constant calls to it wonderful stuff uh number three is zoom or teams or skype or whatever other video calling thing can you hear me? I can see you, but can't hear you. Uh, check your mic. Is this thing plugged in? Uh, what on earth is gallery view? Uh, oh, oh, right. I'm I'm on mute. Okay. Uh, number two is the sign off. Stay safe. The sign off for 2020. No, no. I won't stay safe. I'm going to go lick that handrail and stand within six inches of that stranger. Cough, cough. Uh, and number one is coronavirus. No, wait a second. Hang on. Uh, that's the wrong list. <laughs> Sorry, that's the wrong list. Those aren't films. Gosh, my actual, my actual top five. Here we go. Uh, and aren't you glad you're you'll have waited for this? And I say I've got five. Right, and number five, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, now hear me out. So I saw this with my toddler son. Uh, even though he decided to walk off about thirty minutes into it, so I missed a chunk in the middle. Arguable then that this shouldn't be on my list, but A, I didn't see much this year, and B, uh, Ben Schwartz, who's the voice of Sonic, and his co-lead James Marsden, they're fantastic, and I'm a fan, so there, it makes my list. Uh, also because I went in with near zero expectation other than it's likely going to suck, and was pleasantly surprised, to be honest, when it didn't. Um, I mean, obviously that's subjective, but I didn't think it was that bad, it was fine, you know, uh... Uh, video game movies have a history of not being particularly good so um especially ones that sort of take their protagonist or the main character main characters out 
of that video game world and stick them into the real world. So a bit like, oh my gosh. But um, no, this was fine. Um, and Carrie's turn as Dr. Robotnik slash Dr. Eggman. I mean, they're the same, right? I can't remember anymore. Um, I always thought they were the same. Anyway, uh, his turn as Robotnik, it's excellent. Uh, you got to just see the film just for that. Um, and I couldn't see it when I first saw that trailer. Uh, you know, um, You know, I couldn't see how good he was actually in that original trailer. And thank God the fans moaned and the Sonic design was sort of updated to look more like his normal self, which is the the, the game version, you know, not not trying to make, add some kind of realism to something that's utterly, utterly unrealistic. Uh, anyway, I was skeptical, yeah, so I was skeptical, but when I saw the film finally, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. So that made my top five. Uh, number four uh, is the one and only Ivan. Now, a film I knew little about, and it was somewhat sprung on me. Uh, I was surprised to see that Sam Rockwell, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, was the VO for the lead, um, Ivan the Gorilla. Uh, all of the cast did a great job, and the story was utterly, utterly sweet and touching. Uh, real, you know, feel-good stuff, and quite frankly, a better circus film uh, with an elephant than, oh, don't shoot me for this, but then Burton's Dumbo. Um, also very surprised to learn, uh, spoilers, so if you don't want to hear it, come back in approximately five seconds, that it's a true story. Very sweet indeed, yeah. So uh, check that out. You can find that, I think, on uh, Disney+, Plus, uh, streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so number three, my number three, uh, is The Old Guard. Now, uh, there's no bias here. I did work on the film for a day. Um, I had a blast. It was it was a interesting experience. Um, observed Charlize Theron from a distance. Uh, thought she needed to eat something, maybe. You know, she uh, looked a little thin. Um, but in the film, you can't tell. Um, I enjoyed the catering when we actually managed to get some food. You know, that was probably the uh, biggest issue with the day was that uh, they messed up the catering somehow. And, um, you know, luckily managed to get a bit of food, but not not an awful lot, so, <clears throat> you know, uh, sort that out, uh, old guard makers, who was that, was that Warner Brothers, it was so long ago now, it's not Warner Brothers, is it, was it, Legend? no, I don't know, I can't remember, anyway, um, yeah, so that's all I'll say on that for now, um, so there's all that, and then I had little expectation for the film again, I, I seem to, I try to go into these things these days with, uh, yeah, as little expectation as I possibly can, um, where I can, uh, and then I saw the film, and yeah, really, really surprised. Couldn't believe how good it was, actually. Really is really well-paced. Um, there's some seriously great pathos in the relationships the characters have with each other. Um, some superb, uh, superb performances um, from everyone, including the young Kiki Lane. Um, and really everyone involved, actually, and it looked fantastic. Um, and I'm hopeful for the sequel. Uh, well, I, yeah, I hope, I hope the sequel actually happens. Uh, it looks like it might be. So, um, yeah, really excited for that one. The Old Guard. Check that film out. It is very good. And not to be confused with Highlander. It, it would probably make a very good Highlander film. Um, but it's not, you know, Old Guard based on a graphic novel, I believe, or comic series. Well, collected, so it would have been a graphic novel anyway. Uh, yeah, Old Guard. Go check it out. Uh, number two on my list is... Borat, subsequent movie film, blimey, oh my god, what can I say about this one, uh, other than it pretty much follows the Sacha Bar Baron Cohen um, formula, his most successful films, you know, like Ali G, Borat, Bruno, uh, The Dictator as well, to, to an extent, um, and it actually delivers, um, despite that formulaic approach, uh, it feels fresh, oddly enough, and incredibly relevant, still, 
probably because so many of the issues highlighted uh, before are still there, unfortunately. And let's face it, they're, they're probably never, never going to go away. Um, anyway, the film is uh, superbly put together, um, superbly performed. And the newcomer, uh, Maria Baklova, yeah, she's, she's, she's really great. Um, a lot of people, you know, talking about her, especially when the film came out, they were, they were buzzing about her performance. Um, there's obviously a lot of stuff in there, which I won't go into because I'm trying to avoid major, major spoilers in any of this stuff, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are going to be some people who won't like it, um, likely conservatives, I'd say, uh, because they're going to see it as leftist propaganda. But um, as J.J. Abrams once said, you can't please everyone. And that brings me firmly up to my number one, which kind of ties into my first jokey list that I uh, that I did earlier. My number one film for 2020 is Death to 2020. So... Another politically charged and relevant mockumentary-style piece told from the perspective of America and the UK. Um, I don't recall any other countries' perspectives being thrown in there. It was all, it was all Brit and American. Um, yeah, and well, yeah, I'm sure I just focused on those two nations. Anyway, and it's only an hour and ten minutes long, um, but it delivers every punch it needs to. Uh, sometimes in a very on-the-note fashion, and other times in a, in more subtle ways. The you know, the cast is going to surprise you. Um, spoilers in case you haven't seen this yet. So, that, you know, I'm trying to minimize it. But, you know, well, you can see the cast list anyway. But, um, you know, Hugh Grant will surprise you. He's fantastic in it. Um, it'll surprise you again. You know, I've I've always been a massive fan of his um, typecast stuff from the 90s. You know, the adorable underdog uh, type love interest who just happened to be unbelievably good looking. Uh, but when I saw him break that mold in Paddington 2, I was delighted. Um, I've heard he's just as good in The Gentleman as well, you know, uh, going against type. And he very much goes against type here in this film too. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm actually, I'm desperate to see uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. And, uh, yeah, so Hugh Grant, yeah, just brilliant. Uh, it also features Samuel L. Jackson, uh, who's great, matter-of-fact character, being interviewed, Um you know, his guy just is is no. You know, there's just no BS around the character, um, and the other interviewees are wonderful too. You've got Lisa Kudrow playing a Republican White House rep uh, type person. You've got Kumail Nanjiani uh, in full Inhumans ripped uh, form. Oh wait, is he in, not Inhumans? What's he going to be in the Eternal? Sorry, beg your pardon. Oof. Uh, my MCU fans are going to rip me apart for that. Not in humans. That was uh, unwatchable almost. Uh, no, the Eternals. So, you know, he's, he's properly henched up, um, for the Eternals. Uh, he looks fantastic. I think he's wearing a weird wig as well. I think it was a wig. Anyway, um, he, he plays this sort of Silicon Valley tech genius guy. And I just got that connection that he's in. Uh, the sitcom, the fantastic sitcom Silicon Valley. If you haven't seen Silicon Valley, uh, check it out. But he sort of plays, um, not in Silicon Valley, but in this documentary, he's a sort of uh, tech mogul Zuckerberg type guy. Um, you've got Tracy Ullman as the queen. <laughs> you've got uh, Christine, uh, now Miliotti, I believe. Uh, she's a bigoted sort of uh, soccer mom, you know, soccer mom uh, type. Uh, she was the she was the mum. In case people aren't familiar with that name, uh, she was the oh gosh, more spoilers for stuff that finished years ago. Uh, she was the mum in How I Met Your Mother. So the, in the later things, you know, the, the yellow umbrella. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, uh, but you should know that. That's so old. Anyway, um, and there's a host of other actors and actresses They that just absolutely kill it, man. They're just so good. It really puts uh, the year into perspective and lets us laugh a little at the sheer madness uh, that that year has been as well. So my number one is Death to 2020. Uh, check it out. It's fantastic. Okay, uh, so yeah, that's my top five films of what I saw at least, okay? So that obviously by all means, this is not a fully exhaustive list, right? Because I didn't see an awful lot. But uh, I'm going to chuck some honorable mentions in now. Wait, are we at my honorable mentions bit? Okay, so in my honorable mentions uh, in film, so I've got a few few bits uh, that I want to talk about. I'll talk about film and TV. Um, Over the Moon, which is uh, it's this abstract sort of... Uh, animated musical uh, about a young girl that builds a rocket ship and flies to the moon um, but this moon is just this bizarro psychedelic world uh, filled with wondrous characters and and the visuals are just incredible it's a it's a really beautiful tale about family and you should definitely tug at the heartstrings you know it's very disney in terms of sub- subject matter in that sense but uh it's a beautiful beautiful little film so do check that out i think we saw that one on I have a feeling it was on Netflix. I mean, everything that I'm talking about here, aside from uh, a couple of early cinema visits very early on in 2020, I think February Sasonic was probably the last time we went to the cinema before um, before the virus really took hold and we all went into lockdown in March, uh, or April rather, in the UK. Um yeah, everything's on streaming for the most part. Um, if it's not, and if I can remember, then I'll let you know. Okay, so uh, I started... Here we go. Um, and I've heard some people mention some good things about this film, but I started Enola Holmes, uh, which is... I mean, I don't know how uh, canonical this is. I don't recall in any of um, Arthur Conan Doyle's works, uh, or the few that I've read at least, uh, Sherlock Holmes pieces rather, that him having a younger sister um but anyway it's about his younger sister uh millie bobby brown plays the little sister uh enola and quite frankly um yeah it was i don't know it just didn't in my notes i've written uh it didn't do an awful lot for me to be honest i think partly because uh, the name sets up an expectation in your mind that you're in for some kind of murder mystery type thing, and when really it's more just a sort of coming of age tale. Um, and to be honest, most of it is blanked from my memory. Uh, you got Henry Cavill as Sherlock, which uh, he looks the part. Um, I struggle sometimes to get past some uh, gossip, I guess, that some uh, fellow colleagues had given me about working with him on set. Um, where they said that he wasn't very nice to you know the extras and stuff the the, the supporting artists so and I, and I really didn't don't like his superman or rather Snyder's take on uh superman with him so I, I don't know there's a sort of little mental block there but um yeah anyway it's it's on my uh list partly because of Millie Bobby Brown partly because it seemed to be doing or trying to do something a little different um and it looks great so there's always that uh Go see it. Make your own mind up. We're moving back. I know we're post Christmas now, but uh, I'm going to mention uh, a Christmas film, Jingle Jangle, uh, which is absolutely visually stunning uh, Christmas musical set in a sort of uh, alternate universe Victorian era. Um, 
it's got the magic, you know, you look at this thing, uh, you're watching it, it's got this real uh, sense of magic of the old uh, 80s Henson, Spielberg, Lucas films, you know. Um, it's it's really great. It stars Forrest Whitaker, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, um, and you've got some newcomers, a very young newcomer who was, she was spectacular, uh, Madeline Mills, um, she's adorable. And a hilarious, hilarious turn from Ricky Martin. Yep, I was surprised to learn that uh, the voice of one of the antagonists was another, none other than Ricky Martin. Um, and he was fantastic. Why hasn't he been acting more? Maybe he has. I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore that. I, I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole. Check it out. But um, yeah, Jingle Jangle is fantastic. And actually, if you are an, a listener of the show, you will have heard my interview with um, Elroy Powell, who was in that film. Uh, and he talks a little bit about Jingle Jangle and um, how wonderful it was to work on that piece. So, yeah, go check out Jingle Jangle if you haven't. On Well, unless you want to wait until next year now if you're superstitious about these things because we are in, what, February now. Um, okay, uh, another Christmas film uh, is Christmas Chronicles 2. Now, this wasn't nearly as strong as the first one, uh, but it I thought it was quite brave in its storytelling uh, by just not simply rehashing the original, you know, just for that alone um it's it's good clean fun you know and kurt russell he's brilliant as always and spoiler alert from the first film and i call this uh whilst watching the first film uh goldie horn uh is she's ever present as mrs claus um it's worth seeing it just for their dynamic because she's actually got a proper role now where she was this kind of easter egg teaser thing at the end of the first film um yeah in this one she's actually a major player um and my wife uh Arty was surprised actually that when i told her that the actor who played the father in the first film was actually their son uh and kate hudson's brother anyway it's a great film it's on netflix uh check it out if you haven't seen it uh even though christmas is over okay moving on to tv and now this is in no particular order actually and not necessarily released initially in 2020 um but it's either finished in 2020 or we saw it in 2020 um I'm going to talk initially about Shit's Creek. Oh, gosh, this thing wins absolutely everything as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it was something, actually, that I avoided originally, as I've never been a massive fan of Eugene Levy. Um, Levy? Levy? I've forgotten how you pronounce her name. Anyway, um, but, gosh, am I a com- convert now. Um, this program has had multiple Emmy wins. Um, it's co-written and created by his son, Daniel Levy, which is a really sweet sort of thing, you know, father-son, whether it's in fiction or in real life, that's always going to, you know, that's always going to hook me in. Um, Catherine O'Hara uh, of Beetlejuice and Home Alone fame, uh, she's the mum in Home Alone, uh, is just, she's just utterly incredible. Um, and I was pleased to learn that uh, the voice she gives her character, was that was her choice. Yeah, so that wasn't a note or anything. That was she brought those elements to that character. Um, I was really hoping uh, for that, you know, while watching this. Um, and then the, there's an equally brilliant uh, behind-the-scenes documentary uh, on the series, and that sort of uh, that reveals all these things. Uh, binge the series first, then watch the documentary. Um, do not, under any circumstance, watch the doc first, uh, as it's going to ruin the series for you. Um, I felt it was beautifully shot. It's really well written. Um, it's hilarious in places. It's heartbreaking in others. It hits every note that it needs to. It's just, it's just so good. Um, and it ran from 2015 and it finished in 2020. 
uh, and it properly tied up the entire story, you know? So there's there's a clear-cut sort of beginning, middle, and end. Um, it's a really, really nice piece of work, actually, from the Levy family. It's really nice. And and, and when I say family, yeah, even uh, Daniel Levy, Eugene Levy's uh, uh, daughter, Daniel Levy's sister, uh, she's in it as well. She's one of the characters. But anyway, I, I won't, you know, I, I won't tell you too much about that, but just go, uh, go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. It's so good. Um, another highlight for us was uh, Kim's Convenience. Uh, which is a Canadian series about a Korean family uh, that own a convenience store. Um, I think they're in are they in Toronto. Yeah, they're in Toronto. It stars uh, Paul Hyun Sung Lee as Mr. Kim, uh, who's also the X-wing pilot Carson Teva in the Mandalorian. So, like when I saw his face, I, I consider myself to be quite good with faces, and uh, I saw his face. I was like, "Hey, that's Mr. Mr. Kim," and partly because he looks almost exactly the same as Mr. Kim. Only he's wearing an X-wing jumpsuit, you know, the orange jumpsuit. Anyway, um, uh, Jean Jung is his wife. Uh, Andrea Bang is their daughter, who's really good. Uh, well, everybody's fantastic, especially I love Jean Jung's uh, character, the the the, the poor to- tortured wife, uh, sneak attack. Um, anyway, and and Simu Lee, uh, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. His surname is it Lee or Liu? I'm not sure. You have to forgive me on that. But anyway, so actually I was uh, I saw his name, I saw his face, and thought, hang on, this guy rings a bell as well. And he's actually, yeah, the MCU newcomer. He's going to be Shang-Chi uh, in the new film. So that, that made me really happy, actually. I don't know why I don't know the guy. Uh, I have no uh, personal vested interest or anything uh, in the series or, or, or Shang-Chi as such or in this, uh, in, in Simu Liu. Uh, Simu Liu, yeah. Um, but I don't know, it just felt, yeah, I just felt happy for the guy that now he's going to be, you know, the principal in a big, big, big tentpole film like Shang Chi. Um, Liu plays uh, the son. Anyway, another it's another touching story um, about an immigrant family consisting of first and second gen Koreans. Actually, even though Liu is Chinese, um, I'm not entirely sure about the rest of the cast. I think Paul Hyung Sung Lee is uh, so Mr. Kim. I think I believe he is actually Korean. Um, but anyway, so you know, Korean family uh, living in the West. Uh, if you like Master of None, uh, then, uh, you know, the uh, Aziz Ansari series, uh, also on Netflix, uh, for its sort of depiction of a foreign family settling in the West back in the day, and the and the trials and tribulations, um, uh, sort of, of their children, uh, born and bred in that Western country, uh, this is one for you. It's, it's also just plain hilarious, and uh, thankfully not over yet, so I can't wait for the next season, um, and hopefully we won't have to wait too long. Uh, next on my list, um, something that I started actually and didn't didn't continue all the way through. I only saw the pilot. It was Umbrella Academy uh, with Ellen, who is now Elliot uh, Page. Um, so that first uh, episode did lure me in. It, it's based on a comic book um, uh, property. Um, I just couldn't find the time to continue the series, so I'm hoping I'm going to pick it back up again this year. Uh, and I'm also quite interested to see how they contend with um, Elliot well, Ellen Page's transition to Elliot Page. If you're not if you're not sure who Ellen Page was and who Ellen Elliot Page is, uh, check out you know uh, Juno and X Men. She played Kitty Pride in the X Men films, and yeah, you know, really, 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 um, really strong, uh, really strong actor. Uh, and I actually can't say actor now. Yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah. So check that out. Uh, another pilot, another comic book um, entry that I only saw the pilot for was Stargirl. 
so that was more superhero fare with DC characters that I'm I'm not entirely familiar with. Um, it's part of that sort of uh, that CW uh, Greg Belanti verse. Uh, though I'm sure if there's any actual crossover with the other characters from the Belanti verse, which is uh, you know Arrow, the Arrow verse, whatever you want to call, it. I call it the Belanti verse. But yeah, I think it's popularly known as the Arrow verse. Um, so I don't know if there's any crossover, but um, Luke Wilson is in it, and I really like Luke Wilson. Uh, so it's nice to see him on the screen again, even though it's a small screen and only in a supporting role. But, you know, he, he's great. So uh, hopefully another series that I'm going to pick back up this year. But uh, do do check it out. Um, I forget the protagonist's name, but she's she's also quite good. You know, she's she's really well. Um, she becomes quite endearing towards the end. You know, she she's good at setting up that angsty teenage stuff and then, you know, uh, and then evolving and developing a little bit. And that was just in the in the pilot. But uh, yeah, what else did we see? I want to also mention Transformers War for Cybertron, um, which is, I believe, based on the game War for Cybertron from a few years ago. Uh, it's an animated series on Netflix. Now, I am a massive Transformers fan, but only of what's known as G1, right? Or Generation 1. So that's the older 80s stuff. The original series the original toys the original comics from uh, 1984 up until i think it was 87 or 88 because uh, they only lasted for about a season and a bit uh, there was a fourth season but that was like a mini um a single story arc in that original cartoon just like a three or four episode arc uh, called headmasters and they just called that season four and then and then uh, close the chapter on that one until the 90s, I think it was, when Beast Wars came along, which I I was too... I, I think I'd moved past it all by then. Uh, but here, really good things. I've seen little bits, and where it ties in with G1, it's great. But anyway, um, so I did like Armada, though, and its sequel series. Uh, oh, gosh, what was it called? Um, yeah, Transformers Armada, I think it was, that was late 90s or early noughties. Uh, and then its sequel series which was kind of a totally different continuity, you know? It re it started up its own um, its own continuity, so it didn't really tie in with uh, G1, whereas Beast Wars did. But anyway, so I, I liked all that stuff, um, you know, and actually, uh, particularly Beast Wars, I, I did visit Beast Wars a bit because um, uh, I struck up a random friendship uh, with voiceover actor Scott McNeil. He, he was one of the actors on the, on the Beast Wars cartoon. Um, I was on a random drunken night out uh, on the town. I think it was a leaving due for somebody from my de then day job. And uh, I saw this guy standing outside a pub wearing a cowboy hat. And I was like, hey, you look cool. Let's go talk to you. I tend to do that. Um, but just when I'm a bit too drunk and just randomly chat to people or say things. And sometimes, well, most of the time, actually, uh, you know, people see it as endearing or whatever. And I can strike up a conversation and we become buds sometimes people don't see it that way and want to fight you usually drunk asian guys in their 20s with self-esteem issues but anyway um <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, I met scott mcneil um so a little side story here i'll digress for a couple of minutes um but yeah it was this really bizarre night out where um everybody from the leaving do that i was at they just went home and i was like well i'm gonna hang out with this cowboy guy and he and I and there were a couple of girls that were that he was with that he'd made friends with so the four of us just went on this weird little mini adventure through London town um and I say weird little mini adventure actually it was a wild wild night um that culminated uh with a lock-in at 
the wonderful bar PJ's, which sadly is no longer there now. It's in theatre, or it was in theatre land. Um, you used to serve the creme de la creme of, you know, London's West End. But sadly, it closed its doors um, a good sort of five or so years ago. Um, oh gosh, but it was beautiful, you know. It was a, it was a beautiful little, felt like oldie worldy, felt kind of New Yorky a little bit. The 1920s had a bit of an Art Deco kind of feel to it. Um, got to know the owner of it quite well, you know, over the years. Um, but there, yeah, it was a wonderful, gosh, wonderful night, actually. I also uh, made friends that same night with um, a wonderful guy who was one of the orchestrators on, uh, one of the conductors, orchestrator? He's a musician uh, called Kevin Fitzsimmons on the Lion King. So he was one of the, one of two guys, I think, uh, on the original West End show Lion King. And then he, they took that around and traveled around the country and went to Japan and did some other, you know, other shows and stuff. And yeah, uh, really historic night for me. Um, anyway, yeah, Transformers. Okay. <laughs> right. Talk, talk about the side, uh, segue. Okay. Let's get back to it. Uh, so, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, all that stuff aside, uh, I thought I'd check out this new series, if only for its sort of G1 aesthetic, right? It looks like uh, the original G1 stuff, and the visuals are stunning. I couldn't tell you what this sort of... It kind of looks cell-shaded um, in terms of the animation style. Um, I don't know the technical aspects of it, so I can't really tell you about it. Uh, the animation itself, it feels a little clunky at times, kind of people walk around kind of slowly and you know it's not particularly dynamic and that's probably because of the the character's design because they're kind of blocky and they they are very much in line with that original um aesthetic of the transformers um and well yeah it, it felt you know so the story also it felt a bit clunky at times and i think maybe um it felt a little weak at points in season one so it's it, i should probably um iterate that it's a it's a trilogy they're calling it the war for cybertron trilogy and the and the first part is called siege and since seeing that they've released the second chapter um in the trilogy called earthrise so it sounds to me like it's heading towards what the original g1 series was about where they crash land on earth and you know uh, uh, and the war comes to earth but uh, yeah, you know, it, it felt like it was taking some liberties with the characters that first season. Um, Prime, who's meant to be the leader, I get, I get it that he's not in his prime. Haha, <laughs> pun, uh, pun intended. Shit, pun. Pardon my language. Um, yeah, you know, I get it that he's not fully formed yet. He's not the Optimus Prime that we know. Um, but he just didn't. He just seemed too weak. Uh, Bumblebee is in there and he felt more like Hot Rod than he did, you know, Bumblebee. Um, but once you get over those little things, you appreciate that it's a prequel series, you know, you appreciate that these characters haven't fully formed into their original G1 version. So I think you'll enjoy it a little more. Um, yeah, so that aside, you know, the couple of weak points felt a bit slow here. Um, but it actually deals with some really interesting ideas and builds on the lore whilst respecting what's come before. Um, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and like I said, you know, Earthrise uh, recently came out. I think it was over Christmas break. And, you know, each... It's it's kind of... It's fairly digestible because each season is... Uh, it's only six 25-minute episodes, so you can easily sort of um, uh, get through it. You know, they're, they're digestible. Um, 
the yeah, and basically both uh, the the first two parts were released in 2020. Um, third part of the trilogy probably won't be too far away because they were parts one and two kind of came out uh, reasonably close to one another. But uh, yeah, anyway, Earthrise, so I guess it kind of spoils that a little bit. It kind of, you know, implies that it's inching closer and closer to Earth and the original G1 story. Um, but uh, here's a little spoiler, I suppose, for that second, uh, for the second chapter. There is a, I did notice that there's a nice little homage. So I've started it. I haven't finished it. I've only seen all of um, the first season. Um, second season, I'm sort of um, partway through, but there's a nice little homage uh, to the uh, 80s comic storyline Target 2006. At least that's what I'm getting from it. Um, so if you're, yeah, if you're a Transformers fan, well, a I probably just, well, hopefully you've seen it. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I've just kind of ruined it a little bit for you, and I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, not that sorry. Uh, so yeah, just um, yeah, go check it out. Um, and it's sort of. Um, Oh, no, I think it's interesting enough that your casual viewer uh, would be pretty intrigued, um, especially who they may not know what's, you know, what's coming. Uh, <coughs> Orson Welles, <coughs> Unicron, cough. <coughs> anyway, uh, it's a series that I'm looking forward to deep diving uh, back into, as I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen all of season two yet. So I might just wait for the third chapter, uh, the third part, and just binge all of it. Uh, which, let's face it, that's never going to happen. I've got a three-year-old. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, what else makes my list? Once Upon a Snowman. A uh, great little um, animation. Uh, it runs simultaneously with uh, Frozen. So it's it's uh, the cr it's about the creation of Olaf. Uh, it's creative. It's joyful. Um, it's still it still looks over the fact that Elsa can literally create life, but you know there you go. My son doesn't take it that seriously, and neither will I. Uh, Josh Gad, he's wonderful as usual, and always enjoys work. You know, even though he seems to be a Star Wars prequel hater, but you know whatever. Yeah. So Once Upon a Snowman, that's wonderful. Um, another series that I saw the entirety of actually was Upload. Um, it's an interesting concept. Uh, certainly the first half of the season is extremely strong. Uh, Stephen Amell, um, of Arrow and TMNT's Casey Jones, uh, if you remember those live action, Michael Bay produced, but thankfully not directed, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films, uh, Stephen Amell played Casey Jones in that. So his, his cousin, <laughs> sounds so ridiculous, but his cousin, Robbie Amell, um, he's, the the lead in upload. Uh, Robbie Amell was also he's also part of that Arrow Balantiverse. Um, I forget the the character he plays. I wish I was more into DC than I am. But uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so he's part of that, and his co-star uh, is a lady named Andy Allo. Um, not entirely familiar. Uh, not entirely familiar. Um, with with her work, but uh, been working consistently for a little over a decade. Um, seems Pitch Perfect Three, Black Lightning, which is a DC superhero. Uh, that's also part of the Belantiverse, actually. Um, so, yeah, they both, they, Robbie ML and Allo come from that world. Uh, check it out. I thought Upload was quite interesting. Um, it didn't, for me personally, finish as strong as I felt it could have. It didn't feel satisfying enough. But uh, let's hope it gets a second series and that can rectify that. Um, Lucifer. So my wife and I are big into Lucifer, uh, the TV show. I can't recall how close it is to the original Neil Gaiman incarnation of that character from you know, Sandman and its own comic series. But um, 
you know, you've got Tom Ellis, who's just fantastic. He's just so damn charming. Uh, the first half of season five, it's um, it's on Netflix. So they took it from, I think it, it got cancelled on Amazon. I don't know if you know the story, but the series was cancelled on Amazon and then it Netflix bought it and they, they reinvigorated it, as they often seem to do, actually, with a lot of stuff. Um, that's how they started with their Netflix originals, right? With the rest of development. Um, but anyway, so first half of season five, we've seen that. Um, production value seems a little bit different. You know, it's Netflix, so maybe there is, I don't know, a bit more into it. But at the same time, it's the same. I can't really can't really describe it. But yeah, like I said, uh, Alice, he's just fantastic. He's damn charming uh, as Lucifer. So how can you not love that series? Um Moving on quickly, uh, Spark Shorts, which is a series by Pixar that's on Disney Plus. Uh, so it's a series of short films. Um, some of the films uh, are called Float Out Pearl. That's P U R L. Uh, there's a whole bunch. Uh, only so out of that list, at least only um, Out is from 2020. The others are from previous years. But uh, I don't recall seeing um, the others on Disney Plus service until recently. So I'll just play ignorant and lump them all under 2020. Uh, you know, they're, they're yeah, a really nice series of um, short films made by, if I remember, if I'm remembering again correctly, I think it's made by different people from within the Pixar team. So it's their ideas and stuff, and and they're really they're really great. Definitely check out um, Float and Out. Um, those were yeah, we really like those. Uh, and though this isn't really in any order of preference, um, I do have a sort of top spot when it comes to the TV, um, which goes to uh, the Mandalorian. Now, am I biased? Uh, yeah, yeah, very likely. But in terms of structure, uh, pacing through a limited run of eight episodes, it literally seemed perfect. Uh, the balance is just right, even if people aren't familiar with the characters and even if there's a, a bit of a video gamey feel in terms of how the characters move between places, getting from you know one situation to the next. It still feels correct. It still feels right. Um, it feels like the original 77 Star Wars film in terms of how the film and series move along and takes its characters from one situation to the next. It's, it's fluid. Uh, feels natural. So uh, if you have some familiarity with the Clone Wars and Rebels animated series and um, anything else in the lore, uh, such as the you know the meaning behind the significance of the planet Tython, uh, which is where Baby Grogu connects with the Jedi uh, that we see in the finale, uh, then naturally you'll you'll take uh, much more away from this. But uh, just as if you're, you know, a person of a certain age who grew up with the original films and had Luke Skywalker as a personal hero, um, a role model like me, then. Ugh, Lord, that finale is going to hit home hard. That, you know, that's a massive spoiler, but I'm sure I said at the top of this thing, spoiler alert. So, uh, yeah, be mindful. Um, and it's going to hit home hard in a good way, thankfully, uh, in a way that you've perhaps not felt since uh, 1983, dare I say. Um, I know the EU, which is the expanded, not, uh, expanded universe, the EU that is the expanded universe, not uh, the European Union. Um, so that stuff aside, the EU aside, uh, it's now called Legends under Disney. Because you weren't aware, uh, Mandalorian is a—it's a carefully crafted uh, series, despite the half, <laughs> despite the half crew guy uh, that we briefly see in chapter twelve, which is uh, episode four. Because yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the the naming of the or the numbering of the episodes is unconventional, uh, which is really kind of in keeping with Star Wars, really. Uh, but it's a bit. Maybe it's a little bit too complicated this time because it's it's continual, so it goes chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yada yada yada. But then you've got you know season one, episode this, season two, episode that. Anyway, um, I didn't really notice this half of that crew guy initially. You know, it's because they've the when they've uh, when in post, 
uh, they've graded the you know graded the episode it's so dark i don't know i didn't notice it there was enough stuff happening um that you don't really notice but uh anyway um it's clearly uh you know the, the series is clearly made with a lot of love for the franchise uh and its history and having someone like feloni being a driving factor really it really seems to help in terms of story um and favreau obviously uh who you know i don't know who we can credit more um let's credit them equally uh you know john favreau and dave feloni gosh uh, anyway, highly recommended to all, um, whether you're a fan or a casual viewer, as ultimately the story is about a father and son, and that's always something that's not only been personal to me, but I'm sure is most uh, most people can get on board with that, you know, with that type of story. And speaking of father and son relationships, uh, now seems an appropriate time uh, to introduce uh, my very special, exclusive guest for this episode uh, that I mentioned at the top there, uh, my son Xavier Vade. Xavier, welcome. Hello. Hi, Xavier. What is your favorite color? Black and red and green and multi colored and gray and light gray and dark gray and black and white. There's quite a lot of different colors and shades and tints. Uh, okay, but I just love it. Okay, no, that's fine. You're allowed to love whatever you want. Okay, what do you have a favorite uh, cuddly toy? Yeah. What is it? Um, Red Panda. Rocket the Red Panda, I mean. Oh, he's cute. Um, Where did you get Rocket the Red Panda? My birthday when I turned six and when... That's me, Xavier. And when uh, I was at Paradise Wildlife Park. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, did you have fun on your birthday? Four. Oh my god, I did a mad, I did a mad. I did mad. Okay, good. Um, what's your favourite film? Star Wars. Which one? Um, The Empire Strikes Back. Very good. That is the correct answer. <laughs> this is kind of like a quiz. Are you... Like oh my god, my dad just said it is a bit like a quiz. Um, who's your do you have a favorite character? Yeah, who is it? Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Are they uh father and son? Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah, what is it that you like most about them? Um, my daddy does the voice of Darth Vader and. Um, and looks and I thought Luke Skywalker was a leader, but and he's in Star Wars and okay, yeah. So that's oh my god. Okay, do do you want to say anything to the listeners? What? Do you want to say anything to the listeners? What's the listeners? The people who are listening to you talk about your favorite stuff. Um. Okay. What do you want to say to them? Do you like um, Stone Smash, that game? What? Do you like Stone Smash, the game? Okay, so... On the phones, and you like YouTube. Okay, so answers on a postcard, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Avian. Oh, my God! Dingle, wingle, bingle, bingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, jeez, I'm sick of 
Uh, right. Uh, so I hope you found that interview <laughs> insightful. <laughs> um, okay. So just before I wrap this up, uh, here's a here's a long ass list of stuff uh, that I didn't see, but I really, really wanted to. Um, okay. So here goes, and and then we're almost done. Then I, then you're free. You're almost free to go. Uh, although you could just turn off now if you wanted to. But anyway, okay. So here's my list of. Stuff uh, that I wanted to see but didn't get a chance to. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. Uh, partly because there's no Michael Bay in sight. Um, and I, I know that may upset some Michael Bay fans. I'm sorry. I'm I'm not a fan of his storytelling or the editing. Um, I like him as a producer. I like his aesthetic. You know, he's, he's great um, in terms of, you know, his, the, his work with his cinematographer and those guys the grading and how they the ultimate look of the of the of his work i adore um in fact actually i like most of michael bay's stuff to be honest it's just the i think it was just those transformers films um and the second half of the island but uh couldn't get on board with and and bad boys 2 which was i don't know it was just oh jesus it was so long and drawn out even more and even more so than this episode uh, that i'm recording anyway look um you know it's What's the best Michael Bay film? Uh, probably, the, you know, like I say, ones he didn't direct. I mean, look at the Turtles films. They weren't that bad, actually. And they were quite story-driven and character-driven rather than all boom-smash-kablooey-driven, which is generally what seems to be his uh, thing, his MO. Okay, um, so moving on. Uh, Mulan, uh, with the recent, with our recent property purchase, uh, loss of work and day job, pay cuts, etc. We just couldn't afford it. I'm, I'm not no 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 i'm joking of course uh but i know that's probably quite true for a lot of people out there but it's just a film that we didn't get around to seeing um and by the time i'm releasing this damn thing this episode it's i think it's free on disney plus now i know initially you had to pay whatever it was like 15 pounds or whatever um and you can't blame them right they how how else are these guys going to recoup how, how else are the production companies in the houses going to recoup uh all this money that they've spent and we're not talking about small change here anyway um, there was a film called Tommaso, uh, starring Willem Dafoe. I'm a big fan of Willem Dafoe. I won't go too much into this film, um, but yeah, I, I want to see that. Uh, there's Birds of Prey. Um, I wasn't a fan of Suicide Squad, uh, and while that film, it did come across bleak and a bit of a structural, uh, oh God, I hate using this term, but mess, just because in terms of structure, right? Uh, Margot Robbie's fantastic, and actually all of the performers, actually. Uh, they were outstanding, so I was really looking forward to seeing her reprise her role, and I've heard some uh, pretty good things about Birds of Prey. So that's on the list. Um, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, then there's a film called uh, I Used to Go Here uh, by Jermaine Clement. Um, Robin's Wish, which is a biopic uh, about Robin Williams. Um, incidentally, it's weird. The, the UK release date, though, uh, I think it was at the time of recording this anyway is set at 4th of January 2021 so I'm not sure if that was a 2020 film if we just had a delayed release globally or a delayed release in the UK I'm not sure um, it's a film called On the Rocks with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones um, Love and Monsters Eternal Beauty House of Hummingbird uh, The Gentleman you know Guy Richards The Gentleman oh god I you know I, I'm a fan of Hugh Grant and I think any turn of his that goes against his 90s stereotype, that typecast, um, 
I just adore it. You know, Paddington Two um, is a is a big example. Um, Death to Twenty Twenty is another a great example. But uh, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a great actor. He's just so he's just so good, man. He's just so good. Um, and I'm glad that now he's getting this chance to sort of really flex those chops, as opposed to just being the sort of bumbling bumbling uh goofy british love interest you know um anyway 1917 i i really didn't see i didn't see it but the prospect of a you know a birdman style war film just sounds too enticing man and i've heard some really great things even though i appreciate it's not an entire um it's not actually a tracking shot you know it, it cheats but um that's fine i just love tracking shots i like uh i even enjoy the illusion of a tracking shot because it's fun just trying to point out oh, okay this is where they spliced it is, yeah okay you know when you go behind a pillar or something and it goes into black and whatever anyway um okay so that's my list of uh no wait that's not my entire list um there was onward as well which is uh an animation with mcu stalwarts tom holland and chris pratt now i'm pretty sure i was on a plane in 2018 2019-ish uh i think it was 2019 christmas um and it was shown on the plane. It was a long-haul flight to somewhere. I can't remember where. Uh, and they showed it on the plane. I'm sure they did. Uh, and I started the film, actually. I started it and saw the first few minutes. And then I thought, no, I'm going to stop because I want Artie to see it. I want to enjoy it with her. So, um, yeah, I stopped the film. But uh, it's being, yeah, it's being listed as a 2020 release. And, uh, I'm sh- yeah, I've only just seen it pop up uh, in 2020 over here, at least in the UK. So I don't know what that's all about. Okay, and then my final list, I think this is my final list, um, is films that were not released in 2020, but I saw in 2020. Okay, so here we go. Knives Out. Now, don't let your feelings for The Last Jedi, if you have any that are negative, uh, rob you of seeing this film. It's a fun, it's a really fun whodunit um, with some seriously stellar performances. It's worth seeing it just for the performances. It, you know, if you're not interested in the story, fine, but it's just it's just so good. Uh, it's not now this is going to be controversial maybe but it's not quite as good in my opinion as adam sandler's murder mystery uh which is just fabulous fabulous forget you know forget the fact that it's just uh, you know a kind of throwaway murder mystery film but i haven't had that much fun watching a murder mystery film since clue okay and this is i'm talking about adam sandler's murder mystery it's fantastic we need a second we need a follow-up we need another one um but knives out nope it's pretty good uh, and yes, I did just indeed compare Ryan Johnson uh, to Adam Sandler. And in my opinion, Adam Sandler won. So there you have it. Uh, Night of the Living Dead 1990, the 1990 version. Uh, I'd seen the 68 version and I did revisit that earlier in the year. Um, but I hadn't seen the 1990 version. Um, so yeah, I, I saw that and it was it was awesome. It was awesome. It was actually a remake. Um, and I think it probably helped that Romero was part of that remake. But um, I thought it was better than the original. <sighs> oh, I thought it was better. Yeah, I thought it better. It suited my 80s uh, and 90s sensibility a bit better. You know, um, uh, just Patricia Talman as the lead, as the Barbara that... Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, she just... Yeah, she's fantastic. I, I, I don't want to give too much away again. I know I've had spoilers... Um, littered throughout this thing but yeah i don't want to i don't want to ruin it too much but you know we all talk about princess leia we talk about ripley we talk about um you know linda hamilton's uh sarah connor and stuff as all strong female leads why is nobody talking about patricia talman's barbara she was badass in that film uh and actually uh 
I interviewed Patricia because she's a friend of Artie's. Um, so she gave me the hookup. Uh, so head on over to a few episodes back and listen to her interview. She's incredible um, if you haven't done so already. Okay, uh, Hair Love, which is an animation. It was a little Oscar winner. Um, it's on YouTube. It's a really sweet story. It's beautifully, beautifully shot and rendered and, and drawn. Um, and it's a really sweet story. It's heartbreaking, but really sweet. And yeah, just go go check it out. Hair Love. So I did have this film on my list of films that I hadn't seen but wanted to see. Um, but I've actually seen it now. Yeah, in between, in, in the time it took me to, you know, write my notes and stuff and then uh, actually record this thing. Uh, I've seen it. Jojo Rabbit, uh, written and directed by Taika Waititi uh, of What We Do in the Shadows fame. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, he played, did the VO for IG-11 in The Mandalorian, which is the IG-88 droid thing um don't read too much about this film uh if you're not aware of what it is already i'm pretty sure it had an oscar nomination as well um but it's oh god man it's gonna hit you in the jubblies it's so good it's brilliant how this guy waititi uh, manages to balance uh serious drama with humor and whatnot and it's just yeah it's just masterful beautifully crafted and um, Sam Rockwell, uh, he's got to be my favorite actor, I think, at the moment. Um, I do have favorites, ish, sort of. And uh, Sam Rockwell's definitely up there. Uh, oh God, man, that guy, he kills me every time. He kills me every time in, uh, yeah, all of his work. Uh, speaking of Sam Rockwell, I just saw a music video, actually, earlier, uh, early 2021, late 2020. Um, and I can't remember what it's called. Because oh, this is what happens when you sort of... Um, uh, when you just sort of free, uh, when you just kind of try and riff it, um, well, riff, I'm not riffing with anything other than technology, my computer and this microphone. Um, but when you try and wing it, oh, what was that music video? Anyway, just check it out. Uh, it's really, it's really bloody good. Uh, Sam Rockwell, music video, dance, just, just type that and, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, anyway, okay, so that's it, uh, for this episode, 2020. Um, even though we are firmly, halfway through the first quarter of 2021 uh, but you know as they say better late than never or i don't know maybe in the case of this show better never than late i i, I don't know man i don't know i don't care i have fun um so what a yeah what a year 2020 Whew, bizarre it seems like 2021 is pretty much shaping up to be very similar um but yeah, I know it's a little late coming, but I hope you all did have a pleasant and restful uh, and peaceful Christmas break. Um, I hope that whatever you know trials you all faced uh, this last year, you've managed to overcome them, if not at least come to terms with them, because sometimes that's all we can do. Uh, it's usually the hardest part of the battle, I find anyway. So uh, yeah, take care, stay safe, um, stay safe. God, well, well, I can't I need to try and find a synonym for stay safe. Um, Anyway, and I hope your 2021 um, is positive, uh, strong and successful, you know, just keep uh, keep fighting the good fight. Um, Happy New Year, even though, like I said, it's middle of February now. But uh, yeah, uh, bye-bye 2020. Thanks for making me fat.
just coughed. <laughs>